Yeah. And we, um, you saw that this morning. That's good stuff. That's good stuff. All right, let's look to the Word, folks. Open up your Bibles to Psalm 119. We're going to be in verses 25 through 40. Um, and we are going to do this kind of in an old-style Bible study method today, so I don't think it's so much preaching. You might not think I preach anyway, I'm, because I do think I'm more of a teacher than a preacher. But um, we're going to just do this as, as like a Bible study. And uh, as usual, as I often ask you to do, is to chime in and to talk to me, and let's, let's look at this together as a family. Um, uh, as you probably know, Psalms is, is done... In a, in a poetic style, a Hebrew poetic style. It has a very unique and a basic structure of very often a parallelism where there are phrases and words that are similar and they're repeated over and over at times. Um, the same thought is repeated maybe with different words to kind of just bring home the focus of the writer. There's an interplay often between questions and, and between answers as the author is, is communicating what the Spirit of God is revealing to them. And so... Um, and, and, and a reason why I think psalms are so, so important to us is that they're written in such a way that they speak to us at a different level than perhaps the narratives of the stories of David and Saul, or perhaps the instructive nature of the epistles where he says, be like this, be like that, don't be like this. The psalms opens up all that truth in a very different way. It opens up that truth because it uses images it uses poetry that's beautiful. It takes words that emits emotion and capture our, our thoughts and our fears and our aspirations. They help us to grasp truth at a place where we don't often do it. At a place sometimes for some of us that is the most important place to grasp that truth. Um, and then not only that, but they're honest. I mean, the, the Psalms are honest. They're candid. Um, they, they, the writers speak of frustration. They speak of, of fear. They, they question God. And so often people say, well, you're, you shouldn't question God. And I'm thinking like, well, the middle part of the Bible is full of it. It, it. Where the author is time and again asking God, where is he? Time and again saying, what's happening next? Why don't I see you working and wrestling with that? And so I, th- I think it's very healthy, you know. It gives me a standard that often is not my own. Do you know what I mean? When you read it and, and, the, and the author comes to these certain conclusions or he sees God in a certain way or he, he reflects on God and he learns about God in certain ways by going back to his old deeds like last week when we were looking at Psalm 77. All of those things are things that I need in my life as I'm trying to learn how to love him and understand him and follow him. And so the Psalms gives me a standard for that very often in a way that's not my own. And, and, and it charts a path for me. When I, am, when I am often confused or when I am afraid or when I am angry and I look to the Psalms, it charts a path for me how to get out of that space, how to get out of that place in my life and find a new place to be in, a place that's healthier, a place that has me looking at God and not looking at myself and all my issues. And, and I'm forever grateful for that. I need that. And so we see in the psalmist uh, who, we, who we are when he's afraid, 
and angry and questioning and confused. And we see in the psalmist who we want to be when he comes to conclusions where he says that God's in control. He's got this cover. So we see both of those things, who we are and who we want to be in the Psalms. And that's why I just think they're, they're so valuable. I have to say that I've been, in my study as of late, you know, I, I use my good old-fashioned New American Standard, and I mark it up and stuff, but as of late, I've been studying it out of a New Living Translation. And I'm appreciating that translation a lot. And so um, this morning, open up, like, if you haven't already done it, we're in Psalm 119, you see the passage up there, and... and um, and there's just stuff in here that I want to draw us to. And we want to kind of do it in a, in a, a, a like I said, a more of a Bible study way. These verses, Psalm 119, Psalm 119 is, um, it is the longest psalm of, of all the psalms in this book at 176 verses. It has, and it's, and it's unique. There's not another psalm written like this in the sense that it's unique. There's 22 sections of this, of this chapter. And each section begins with the letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And then each section, I mean, each section is based on a letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Each section begins with that letter. And each section has eight verses in it. So it has a very a great structure to it that most others don't always have. But you're also going to see a particular word or phrase. You remember I talked about repetition? Well, psalm, this particular psalm has a repetition in it. And it has to do with the word law. You're going to see it a lot. And so, a matter of fact, these, these right here are synonyms for law. It, you're going to read it in this Psalm 119. It is just replete with law. These are uh, a word, um, God's word, God's judgment, God's testimony, his commandments, his statutes, his precept. All, um, all of the, his word, all of these things. And you see the number of times it's repeated in the chapter. And all of those are more synonymous for a concept that we have to understand, that we want to make sure we grasp as we work through this particular passage. And that concept is just one that, of that his law provides direction. His, it's, whether you see the word precepts, whether you see the word statutes, commandments, whatever it is, it's speaking to God's will or his wisdom. And so often when I'm trying to grasp the concept of a passage, I'll take that meaning, and every time I see the word law, precept, commandment, I'll say, this is what God's wisdom is. This is what his will is. And so um, the law, one writer has stated it like this, the law is a handrail which steadies and guides a person to walk rightly, and it represents divine revelation. So when we see any of those synonyms, in this particular chapter that it's writing about, then this is what he's speaking of. But what's really interesting, what I really love about God's word, is that there's a verse that many of you know that says the same thing. So, and it's in this chapter, Psalm 119. Talk to me. 105. Your word is a lamp for my, pee, my feet and a light for my path. So anytime we see this, this place where it's speaking about law, precept, when it's speaking about um, uh, statutes, commandments, it's saying that, that it's law, the word, I mean, up here it says it as a handrail, down here it says it as a lamp. In other words, he's saying this is God's will, this is his wisdom. This particular passage we're going to look at this morning is um, one that I, I think... I've been studying um, Psalms 119 on and off for the past few years. And there's many ways you can slice it and dice it. You can look at it. You can take it apart. This morning what we're going to be doing is we're going to be looking at 
some paces in this particular passage where it says, God will do this. This is what God wants. This is his wisdom about this. And then there's these, these passages where sometimes it's point for point and it says, and it says, and I will do this. So it's talking about what God will do and what we will do. It's talking about what God will do and it's talking about our response, our reaction, our, our interaction with him in this regard. So, and matter of fact, you probably see, it depends on how you count them, there are 15 times in these about 50, well, and it makes sense, doesn't it? 15 times in these 15 or so verses where it says, God's going to do this. And then there's 8 to 11 times where it says, I will respond. I will. My heart is. And so it has this interaction in it. As a matter of fact, we were only selecting these few verses today, but the entire chapter, you can just chart it. You can work through it like this, and you can be looking at it. And so in my own personal study, I've got an entire page of all the God wills. And then, you know, and as typical with us, my page about what I will do is much shorter. But isn't that, isn't that the way we are, isn't it? So open up your Bible. Let's look at it. Verse 25. Let's start, and let's read through it. You're probably, many of you are probably going to read through it in the New American, I mean in the uh, NIV, and I'm going to read through that as well. And then during the course of our study, I'm going to be looking at what the New Living Translation says also, okay? So let's read it together New NIV, through the NIV. I am laid low in the dust, verse 25, preserve my life according to your word. I recounted my ways and you answered me, teach me your decrees. Let me understand the teaching of your precepts, then I will meditate on your wonders. My soul is weary with sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. Keep me from deceitful ways. Be gracious to me through your law. I have chosen the way of truth. I have set my heart on your laws. I hold fast to your statutes, O Lord. Do not let me be put away. Do not let me be put to shame. I run in the path of your commands, for you have set my heart free. Teach me, O Lord, to follow your decrees. Then I will keep them to the end. Give me understanding, and I will keep your law and obey it with all my heart. Direct me in the path, direct me in the path of, of your commands, for there I find delight. Turn my heart toward your statutes and not toward selfish gain. Turn my eyes away from worthless things. Preserve my life according to your word. Fulfill your promise to your servant so that you may be feared. Take away the disgrace I dread, for your laws are good. How I long for your precepts. Preserve my life in your righteousness. Amen. Amen. So, in this passage, we immediately begin to see a few things. It's not unlike the passage we were in last week, where the psalmist is is describing his life. And And so, in this passage, he starts out the same way we did last week, where he says, my life is low in the dust. He also says that um, my soul is weary with sorrow in verse 28. So he's begun to state that there's a gap between where he is and where he wants to be. He's begun to, to, uh, maybe some of us can identify in that immediately. So this morning, if you're a marker upper in your Bible, I'd encourage you to maybe highlight those places where God will, and then maybe in a different way or somehow another, or maybe in a note sheet or something like that. And there's note sheets available right, available right back there if you want one. What, God, what you will do. So let's look at the very first thing. What does God's word do? In verse 25, he speaks of, of reviving me in your word, and then you living, or, or preserving my life. So he says, preserve my life according to your word. That's the first God will. Let's just walk through, and if you want to mark them up, you want to make notes of them, let's just walk through them and let's highlight them. Verse 26, I recounted my ways, and you answered me. 
teach me your decrees. So he's saying, he's, he, um, he, he says, you answered me. Verse 27, he says, let me understand the teaching of your precepts and I will meditate. So he's asking for understanding. And he says, God will teach me. And he says, God will make me understand. Verse 28, my soul is weary with sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. Verse 29, keep me from deceitful ways. I really like the new living better than this. And this is the one that got my attention in my own study this week. And, and on Wednesday, I, uh, I, we taught this passage down at the halfway house where I teach. And so on nice days, we always get in the alley. We do it in the alley. It's a prime teaching scenario right there in the alley. And so we're sitting there, and we come to this passage, verse 29. For a bunch of guys at the halfway house, it says, Keep me from lying to myself. And all of them go, Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I says, Well, talk to me about application for that. And, I, and they says, Well, oh, I can stop drinking any time. And I said, Yeah. I said, you know, the thing is, though, is that guys in recovery, they understand that verse, and they relate to it, and they'll be honest about it. I said, the fact of the matter is, every person in my church ought to relate to that passage. Because every one of us are lying to ourselves about something. And so this passage, while those guys related to it, and they immediately started talking about it, you know, it generated a lot of buzz. You know, we said, but you know what? It's not just those of us in recovery the fact is that every single one of us have something that we lie to ourselves about. Something that we're deceiving ourselves in. Verse 29 in the New Living says, Keep me from lying to myself. Give me the privilege of knowing your law. Interesting, isn't it? Thy word is truth. Christ said in John, Thy word is truth. And so look at what he's doing in this particular passage. He's contrasting the deception of ourselves to the truth of God's word and how the truth of God's word is a right is is writing it, it corrects our path it helps us to navigate so I really especially appreciated that particular one verse 30 I've chosen the way of truth I've set my heart on your laws now that's one of the ones where he's talking about what I will do verse 30 I've chosen to be faithful he says I've determined to live by your laws in the new living So this is one where he says, this is what I'm doing. I've chosen. I was set. Verse 31, I'll hold fast your statutes, O Lord. Do not let me be put to shame. Verse 32, I run in the path of your commands, for they have set my heart free. And in verse, the, the New Living says, if you will help me, I'll run to follow your commands. Seeking his help and finding his help in God's word. Verse 32, I mean, verse 33, teach me, O Lord, to follow your decrees. And then I will help them to the end. One of the things I love about Psalm 119 is there's so many things that we think that we have to do ourselves. There's so many things that we try and conjure up. It's like if I grip my teeth enough. It's like if I study harder. It's like if I, and, you know, and it just conjures up this stuff. that If I just, mm, it will happen. And Psalm 119 says over and over again, you teach me your decrees. And it speaks to him about doing stuff in us. It speaks in here so many times. And that's what I love about this passage, about the whole whole chapter. It speaks about his activity in our life. It speaks about his desire to to be shaping, forming, doing so much of this stuff that we work so hard to do. Now, hang on to that thought because we're going to come back to it in just a second. Matter of fact, let's just go there right now. If you were to look through the passage, 
And if you were to, to examine all the stuff, when you get done with it, what you're going to see is it talks about God, he will revive me. He will teach me. He will help me. He will encourage me. He will keep me. He, he will help me to know instruction. Verses 32 and 34 says, you expand my understanding. Now, how many times have you been in a passage, you're like going, I know it's here, but I just can't poke through the surface to get to the meat of what it's saying. And here he says, you expand my understanding. He says, make me walk and follow. Make me eager for your word. Turn my eyes, reassure me, abandon my ways, renew my life. And then when you begin to look at the I will part of the equation in this passage, the things that he speaks to us doing, he says, help me to meditate. Or I will meditate. I will be faithful. I will live by your regulations. I will cling. I love that one. Because you think about clinging, you know, and my, my immediate mental picture, because this is the way I think and all, my immediate mental image was like saran wrap. I will cling. And when you think about that, that saran wrap is something that it wraps itself around it, and you, and you have to work to undo that. And so he says, I will cling. There's something to that word that is, is just almost like desperate, isn't it? It's just like hanging on, wrapping around, not letting loose. I will pursue Looking down through the passage, he says that I will pursue. He talks about, about keeping. And then, and then he talks about obeying and practicing. And so, you know, on one hand, it says that God is going to do all this stuff. And so some of us, I mean, I for one would love it that I could sit in my chair and God would just do that stuff. That he would, he would just open my head up and give me understanding. That he would just open my path up and help me to obey that he would just do any of these 15 things that are in this passage, and he says that he will do. And yet the other side of the coin says, I will meditate. I will pursue. I will cling. And so there's nothing passive about God at work in our lives. Hebrews speaks that he um, he is a rewarder of those who diligently follow him. That's my little bit of a translation on it. But he is a rewarder of those who diligently follow him. I can speak for myself, and if anyone wants to agree with me, I would love an amen, so I don't feel like I'm up here by myself. But how many of us really want him, quote-unquote, and really diligently follow him as well? How many of us want something without the work to get that something? I appreciate the nodded heads. Thank you very much. Yeah. Yeah. How many of us want him, and I'd say that with a little W maybe, without really pursuing, clinging, being diligent? Throughout this passage, throughout this chapter, that's this, this, this going back and forth. It's speaking about all this stuff that God's word will do in our life. It's speaking about all this stuff that God is very eager to do in our life. And yet it says, at the same time, has all these action words, has all these things that sound like work, 
has all these things that sound like you have to be on it all the time. Diligent. What are them? Just, I mean, I've just wrote them up and scratched them on the side of my notes here. Meditate. Be faithful. Live by. Cling. Pursue. Keep. Obey. Practice. None of that sounds like what you do on the couch. It sounds like what you do with determination and deciding. It sounds active. And I don't think that you can, I don't think that you can take the two and separate them. Like, you know, here on my notes, here are my notes. On one side, I have my page divided up to the God wills. And on this side, I have the I wills. And like for this to work, I can't divide them and just say, I want this half. I want the, I want the God wills. The whole page has to go together. Two plus two equals four. Two plus zero does not equal four. So it's like God will without I will. It, you don't get him in his abundance. You don't get him in, 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 his, in everything he has to offer. You remember last week when we were kind of closing up our discussion about Psalm 77, we talked about storms, right? And we talked about being between a rock and a hard place. And we talked about that some of us have just chosen to exhaust ourselves by trying to work ourselves out of that rock and a hard place. And the passage ends by saying that he makes a way that no, man, uh, no one else saw. And so you remember, and we had the image of, of uh, the, the, dead, the, the Red Sea parted. And, like, and like there are times and places in our life where God makes that way evident to us. And if we choose to sit there and say, that looks a little scarier than I'd like to do. That's not what I had planned for getting out of this situation. And we stand on the seashore and we just watch it happen, but we don't participate. That, that's, that's the same thing we're talking about in this passage here where it says God will do these things and it says I must do them as well to benefit from it. So in that particular thing, if you want to go back to the Red Sea, you want to go back to Exodus 14, I believe we were in, and it says God made a way. This is what God will do. Now you have to engage to benefit from it. God made a way. He parted the seas. It looks scary to go down there, but he says go, follow me. And you go and you follow him down that way, all the way. Not part of the way and go back, not part of the way in camp, but all the way following him through into those moments. And then he broadens our understanding. And then he makes our path straight. And then everything, the 15 I wills that God will do, all that stuff, as we are passing through it, we're like going, this is feeling good. He's doing what he had said he'll do. And we continue to go through. And we come out the other end. And when we've come out the other end, when we've come out on the other side with the dry land, and we like go, he was faithful. Everything he said he'd do, he did. But you don't get it by standing up there in the pulpit. You get it by following him all the way through. You get him by taking those, those things, that, that diligence. And in the context of that diligence, in that context of meditating, faithfulness, clinging, pursuing, keeping, all of the God wills begin to click. They begin to happen. They begin to happen to me. They're not happening in a book about Elizabeth Elliot. 
They're happening to me. They're not happening in a book about Billy Graham. They're happening to me. And I, for one, read those books because I need to see it happening. But wouldn't it be great that in our family here, I saw it happening to Dave, and I sat down and heard Dave's story, and I thought, his story inspires me to believe that God can do it in my story, in my life. See, the thing is, folks, is that you need me, and you need the elders, Greg, Rob, Scott, to be walking diligently, to be walking hard, to be obeying, to be walking from this side of the sea to that side of the sea and coming out that side and saying, God is faithful. Follow. But the thing is, though, is is that I need you as well. I need to know that he's doing that in your life as well because when I see it happening in your life, it encourages my life to walk the next Red Sea experience. And it begins to happen in such a way that we say, we do this together. As a family, this is what we do. As a crossing family, we walk through these places together. And some of us who are younger at it, who says, I've never walked through a Red Sea in my life. Well, the beautiful thing is, is that there are people in this room who says, I have. Let me tell you about it. And I'll walk with you. That's that's the beauty That's the importance of us speaking about God's faithfulness, about God's provision in our lives. Because sometimes I need to know what he's doing in your life so that I have greater faith in my life to walk in that way. Sometimes my faith fails. Sometimes I get too afraid. And when I hear about what he's doing in your life, I am encouraged to continue to pick back up again and to move forward. The verse that I think to me is critical in this passage, the verse that I think is the one that I stumble over so much of the time, is verse, let me find it for you real quick here. Too many notes. Is verse, I think it's 28. Hold on a minute, I'm, I'm losing my place here. Is verse 38. Thank you very much. Verse 38. Reassure me of your promise, which is for those who honor you, is how the New Living says it. Fulfill your promise to me that I, so, that you, so that you may be feared. And that's not even the one I still have it wrong. There's, someone help me find it in here. The passage is talking about, obey, let me put into practice your principles. I have the wrong reference in my notes, so I'm messing this up. 34, thank you very much. I'm glad to have some help. See, it helps. Give me understanding and I will obey your law and I will put them into practice with all my heart. Thanks. 34, exactly. That's that place of tripping up that I have all the time. 34, give me understanding. I ask for it and I ask for it. So I'll obey you. And it says, and I will put into practice with all my heart. That goes right back to building on the sand that Christ talked about. And the one who built on the rock was the one who obeyed and did. The one who obeyed. Not the one who knew the most, 
Not the one who came here the most. Not even the one who served here the most. The one who obeyed. Is the one who built on the rock. The one who served the most, but didn't obey, they got washed away. The one who served the most, who gave the most, who knew the most, whatever it may have been, they really lacked understanding. Because they didn't obey. They didn't put it into practice. And to me, that seems to be the very key to everything in this chapter is any time that we find it, and we will find it numerous times as you read through Psalm 119, is that the key is obeying and putting into practice. That's at the very heart of diligently following, of cleaving, of clinging, of all of those verbs that it talks about in this passage. The very heart of all of that is obeying and putting into practice. Obeying and putting into practice leads us down the middle of those dark, dangerous places and finds us to be on the other side of them, finding that he was faithful, that he provided, that he did all the things he talks about doing in this chapter, in this, in this entire book, that he is everything he says he is in our lives, not in other people's lives, when we obey, when we put it into practice, when we follow him in those scary dark, dangerous places. Let's pray. Lord, this morning I, um, I confess my own fear of following you. I confess my own um, disobedience at times. I confess my own lack of diligence, my laziness. And Lord, I am grateful and I'm glad to be able to say that you Forgive, you pick us up, you take us where we are, and you encourage us toward greater diligence, greater faithfulness in the days that follow. This morning, Lord, may we, can, may we determine to be more diligent. May we determine to be more obedient. May we determine to put into practice the things you teach us and to find your word to be true. Oh, taste and see. Yes, let us taste and see that your word is true and that it is everything you promise it to be. And then, Father, in that we find out that you are everything you say you are. You are who you say you are. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Thanks, everyone. For, I'll be up here for a minute if anyone has a comment or question. And thanks for being with us today. God bless. <laughs>